You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. Now, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can hit me at Ryan Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I'm going to bring in the assistant editor of Bears Wire. That's Brendan Shagru. If you want to find Brendan on Twitter, it's at Brendan Shagru, S-U-G-R-U-E. Brendan, are you getting ready to write 4 billion articles for the Chicago Bears this season? Yes. Oh my God. I, I wrote, I think like five yesterday and I was up till three in the morning rewatching Tyson Bajan highlights. That's how, you know, I, I had a moment, <laughs> I was drinking a beer and I was writing and I just am re-scrolling through all these Tyson Bajan highlights for preseason. And I just had a moment. I'm like, man, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to do it. It was fun. You know, yeah. I appreciate everyone read my, reading my stuff, but I'm like, it's three in the morning on a Saturday night. What and am I doing there? You've been on TV again, dude. We haven't talked about that yet, which we will talk a lot about this later after we get to our phenomenal guests. You got to go back to NBC Sports Chicago. What was that like? It, it was awesome. Um, I really honestly did not think that I would get a call back so soon. Uh, shout out to Anthony uh, from NBC Sports for letting me know. Yeah, I, it was a lot uh, less nerve wracking the second time. Plus, I didn't have as much time to kind of worry about it because I heard about it on Monday and we got it done on Tuesday. So I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but it was really cool. And I'm just always appreciative of those opportunities. Very, very cool. Let's bring in Jack Wright to this show. If you want to find Jack on Twitter, it's at Bear Down Jack. I also want to bring in Patrick Sheldon. If you want to find Patrick on Twitter, you can him at P underscore Shells. Now, boys, we haven't had Logan in a while. So Shells and Jack, we brought in um, it from the Ohio University, a sports journalism student. He also runs uh, Cubs Legion, which is a huge thing on. And so you guys can talk baseball maybe later after we get to to talk to James. I'm sure Thomas would appreciate it. Thomas from Cubs Legion. Thomas, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How is everyone here? Fantastic. We got a Cubs yeah. win, man. Yeah, yeah. Guys are on a roll. Yeah, uh, won't go too into it, but uh, yeah, Cubs Legion uh, is a fan page that I've been running on Instagram for a little over four years now, and I've just been posting highlights, uh, game recaps, trades, news, um, just on that page. It's all mine uh, ever since the beginning of high school, and I've also been running my own podcast called the Cubs win podcast along with another guy that does another fan page fan page surrounding the Cubs. So I kind of been using that as an outlet to build my resume for sports journalism. And I think that helped me get into some of the journalism programs in school. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Thomas, we're stoked that you're joining the crew, and we couldn't have had a better guest in which to do it. Now, I am absolutely stoked. Not only is this guy a phenomenal writer for The Athletic, James Boyd is a friend of the podcast through our very good friend, J.J. Stankovitz. James, how are you? How is life treating you? 
I'm doing good. There is no sort of storylines here in Indianapolis, of course. You got, you know, rookie quarterback. You got JT. Is he in? Is he out? Those things going on. But it's been a lot of fun, and I have been very grateful for the opportunity. Okay, so I've got first question out of the gates, not not football related at all. Okay, you're from Romeoville. You're you're everything yeah. at Romeoville kid, but you're a Colts fan, man. Talk to me about this. How did that <laughs> whole thing come come to be? No, so I'm not anybody's fan actually. Um, I grew up in Romeoville, Illinois, obviously, and it was a joke because everyone from where I'm from said they're from Chicago to sound cool, and so I changed my name <laughs> to Romeoville kid when I was in college. And I just figured, you know, I'm going to be proud of the suburbs. It was a good suburban life. No shame in it at all. And it kind of just stuck. And I got my first job out of college to graduate from the University of Illinois as a high school sports reporter in Northwest Indiana. Shout out to the Region 219. And then I uh, basically worked my way down further into the state. So not a fan of the Bears or the Colts or anybody anymore. I just do the job as um, best as I can. And I enjoy storytelling more than sports. It just happens to be in the sports mar- like sports lane. So I'm enjoying myself a lot, but no, definitely not a Colts fan. And I guess I haven't been a Bears fan since I was like, you know, 15 maybe or something like that. So about, about 10 years out of that. So sorry, one more question, boys, before we hop into Colts Bears questions. Has it lost its luster then at all? You know, the the being around professional sports and doing all that stuff? No, not for me at all. I think it gives me more appreciation for the athlete and what they go through, if that makes sense, because you see them on a day-to-day basis more often. I did Pacers for a season, so I did NBA. Um, got a chance to talk to LeBron James, talk to Steph Curry, talk to Giannis, and then go over to the NFL side, you get a chance to be in the same building as Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes and you know, obviously the Colts players, and you start to see how much they put into the game. So I think for me it just gives me more um, empathy and, and compassion towards what they go through, whether it's ups – or downs. And um, I definitely enjoy it. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I know it's a lot of work. Um, You don't get to go to the games for free and do nothing, but um, it is fun. All right. So let's, let's talk bears. Let's talk Colts. So you bring, or the Colts rather bring in uh, new coach, Shane Steichen, your thoughts so far on, on his tenure as head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. So I guess this will be right up you all's alley. I think, Bringing Shane Steichen in made it possible for the Colts to draft Anthony Richardson and feel conf- confident in his development. And I think that Anthony Richardson is further along, or at least has a better starting point, that is, than Justin Fields had when he started out as a dual third quarterback. You know, he has a coach that's, you know, inclined to set those things up for him. He has a better supporting cast, better offensive line, better playmakers and stuff like that. So I think that Shane Steichen is the perfect guy to bring along. And also, you know, having been – you know, Jalen Hurts' coach and, and, and seeing the attention that he's had throughout the NFL, Colts fans are hoping for the same thing to happen here in Indianapolis. And I'm sure Bears fans hope the same thing as far as Justin Fields, because I believe all three quarterbacks, Justin Fields, Anthony Richardson, Jalen Hurts, they all have similar skill sets, but they're all sort of on different uh, marks of the same path. You know, Jalen Hurts is like best case scenario. Justin Fields is like, you're showing me something, show me more. And then AR is just starting out. James, it's great to talk with you. First off, um, I wish that I, I wish I could just take this podcast off the rails and start talking NBA after you just <laughs> said all that with covering the Pacers and everything. But I won't. I'll be I'll be a good I'll be a good <laughs> podcast host. Uh, so talking about Anthony Richardson, um, what have your thoughts been on him so far? Seeing him through mini camp, OTAs, and and training camp so far, and then. Uh, were you surprised to see him name the starter so soon? And then a bonus question. I know this is loaded, 
But were you even surprised that the Colts picked him since there was so much smoke around oh. everybody else? Like, Will Levis. All right, so I got a story for you guys. <laughs> At the Combine, I asked Anthony Richardson. This was after people were asking him, like, you know, all these softball questions. And he's like, yeah, I called myself Cam Jackson back in high school because, you know, people thought I played like Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson, and everyone loved his answers. And I was thinking to myself, wait a second, this guy wasn't as good as these guys in college. And, you know, talking about Heisman winners and future NFL MVPs, and I'm not hating on the guy, but I'm standing there like, no, like you were not any of these guys in college. So I guess me being a jerk, I asked, I was like, hey, man, some of these teams look at you sort of as a project, you know, so what do you think you could bring a team right now versus in the future? And he hated that project word. He had me repeat the question like four times. You're in like this huge scrum with 50 media members. And so I finally like spit it out loud enough for him to hear it, I guess. And he's like, I don't even know what that means. And I'm like, okay, shot me down. And then the next guy asks, okay, well, you were just a one-year starter at Florida. You know, how do you feel about, um, you know, these teams questioning your, your experience? And he's like, he turns back to me away from the other guy. And he's like, this guy called me a project. So I guess I got left to work on. And I was like, what the heck? So... <laughs> I mean, at the time, you know, no trades had happened yet. So I didn't think that the Colts were going to draft. It wouldn't have changed my question, but it became sort of like this joke as things started to materialize. Like, wait a second, the Colts might actually pick this dude. So when they picked him, all of the fans here were like, oh, my gosh, he's going to kill you when he sees you. (laughs) So when he got drafted and they brought him in the next day, you know, to meet the media, I, I said, hey, Anthony, I'm the guy who called you a project or asked you about being a project at the combine, he's like, oh, I remember. And it was the funniest thing ever because he wasn't, like, mad about it. He was honestly just, like, making a joke. The entire room laughs. But we've been, I think, pretty good as far as, like, just asking real questions, getting real answers. And he's, I mean, shown a lot of humility as far as he has to work on a lot of things. But he does – he doesn't shy away from being different. You know, he says it all the time. I was blessed with a great, you know, physical ability. I've been blessed with great talent, but I have to work extremely hard to get to what I want to get to. So – I've been very impressed with him so far. A lot of the stuff we've seen in college has translated over to the NFL, the big playability, the stuff you can't teach, the alien-like stuff that he does, but also some of the tendencies, you know, with, you know, missing high on some of his throws and the inaccuracy, stuff like that, you kind of scratch your head. So he's still raw, but very talented, very humble, and um, very gracious. Didn't beat me up next time I saw him, so that was cool. And uh, we actually ended up playing basketball together at the Jim Irsay YMCA here in downtown Indianapolis. I went there one day. Randomly, he just walked in with a couple of his friends, and we play pickup basketball five on five. So that was pretty fun. Well, who won? His team won. For, this is actually hilarious. <laughs> this team that we were playing, right? They're like they were they were pretty good. They had all like the best players in the gym that day, and so they had been running the court, right? And then they end up one of their guys ended up dropping or leaving. I got to go, whatever. They immediately picked up Anthony Richardson to stack the deck even more. <laughs> <laughs> like a team full of probably like. Three six two dudes, one six four guy who's an alien, and like another guy who's like six feet. And I'm five ten, and I think we lost like twelve to eleven or something like that. It was a pretty close game, but the first play, um, they threw him an alley oop, and he caught and reverse dunked it from like mid court. You know, he threw it up there, he catches it, dunks it, and I'm like, I can't, I can't do anything with that. But also, <laughs> I was joking about it, like, oh man, you don't want to get dunked on. No, I don't want to get near him. Seriously, <laughs> I don't want you to twist an ankle. I don't want you to, you know, tweak anything, and then you're the reason. You know, I'm the reason you're not available for like training camp or something like that. But it was fun. And it kind of lets you know how young he is because I guarantee you, I posted a video of it, of him dunking in one of the pickup games after the gym closed. I was like, if I do it now, everyone's going to flood this place. Did it afterwards. And I guarantee you, the Colts probably saw that and were like, yeah, this is the last pickup basketball game of your life, young man. <laughs> um, but it was fun, man. He's a really good dude, really humble. And um, again, just very self aware. I think the team feels more pressure 
about him succeeding than he actually does. He seems to let stuff roll off his back. Whether he has a good day at camp, bad day at camp, interception, touchdown, he's just the same. There was so much great news coming out of camp this week. What what stood out to you specifically about the joint practices this week? I think I paid a lot of attention to Anthony Richardson. Like I said, Justin Fields as well, because I feel like Anthony can learn a lot from Justin. And what stood out to me was that I feel like they have some of the same tendencies. You know, when you hold the ball, bad things happen. I feel like Justin Fields was lights out when he just made decisive decisions and when he did throw interceptions is because he held the ball too long, tried to make with a superhero play. And it's like, dude, you don't have to do that. You know, every time, you know, I get it. If it's like hail Mary into the game, you got to do something. But some of that stuff, I was like, you know, what? you could probably just throw it in the dirt, throw it away and save yourself. So that's what I picked up on the most, but I felt like, you know, Justin was dialed in. Anthony had his moments, but that second day, I think that the bears put more pressure on him and kind of sped him up a little bit. And, and that, and that kind of showed with the team itself with some of their penalties and miscues, but um, overall, I thought it was a pretty good joint practice. A lot of scuffles the second day. Um, ended a little bit early, probably for the best, because at that point, it felt like every four plays, there were, like, you know, people cussing each other out and shoving each other and, you know, yo mama and yo mama. So it was a lot of that. But uh, it was a good environment. Like I said, I was very encouraged by seeing at least the growth that I think I've, I've seen in, in Justin Fields. And I thought that DJ Moore was lights out. I mean, he had his battles against some of the Colts cornerbacks. Kenny Moore got him a few times, but – um, to me, he's a true wide receiver one and somebody that, I mean, if he stays healthy, pencil for a thousand yards. Hey, James, the, uh, the joint practices are a completely different animal, right? I mean, you get so many different looks and perspectives so much so that I think it really led to the decision for Matt Aberflus to sit Justin Fields this week. So I'm curious being, uh, as that is, what differences did you notice from maybe the, the Colts in their regular practice versus the joint practice? Did anything stand out to you that, that you maybe were surprised about uh, based on how things unfolded during the regular practices? No, not really. I think it was pretty intense on both sides, and, and the, the Colts ended up resting their starters as well. So yesterday's game, I mean, Jim Ursay, you all know, is, is a very unique owner. So he talked during – the third quarter of the game. And that was like all of our stories on the beat. It was like, whatever he says, write that up. And then the game was kind of just like, all right, get a couple grabs on that and get up out of there. So we didn't focus much on the game because again, they practiced so hard, but I think what stood out to me from Anthony Richardson was making sure that he learns to, to check down, to take the underneath stuff because the bears would not allow him to use that big play ability. And when he did force it, Eddie Jackson made him pay for it with an easy interception. So I think that, those are things he has to get better at, and he'll get better at it. And I think the Bears gave him a ton of looks that he just wasn't ready for, especially that second day, because they're going to be more, um, I think, scheme-based and more real as far as their defense in those joint practices because they're not filmed as opposed to a preseason game. So preseason was a lot of vanilla stuff, which is why we didn't see a lot of the top guys. During those joint practices, they got really intense, and you saw what each team was trying to do. And I thought that, again, the Bears kept um, Anthony Richardson on his toes, which is good for him to gain that experience. Hi James, it's great to talk to you. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, we're very ha- we're all very happy that you're here. Uh, I was just my question for you was which Bears players have surprised you um, from the practices? Have there been any performances that you saw as being good? I know that uh, the Bears, the rookie quarterback that they have in camp right now, uh, Tyson Bag uh, Bagent, I think his name is. 
Uh, it's been impressing people, but has there been anyone that maybe hasn't lived up to expectations that has come as kind of a surprise in training camp so far? I think Tyreek Stevenson, not like that he's, you know, a bust or anything like that. I think that he just took a couple steps back maybe in that second practice. And then also yesterday's game had the pick slip through his hands. But I would say I was more looking towards and Maybe it's just the nature of who I am. I don't really look at, you know, guys who aren't performing well. It's like, all right, who's standing out to me? Who's you know, doing good things? And I thought that um, is it Roshan? Is that, that's how it's his name? Yep. Running back. He looked good. I was like, this guy can play. Uh, you know, he had some explosive plays, some tough runs, even yesterday's game as well. He's someone I think that could help shoulder that, that load back there with Khalil and take some pressure off Justin Fields. You know, they don't really have, I don't think they have like a true three down back, you know, Matt Forte is not walking through the door anytime soon. Although a prime Matt Forte would be great for this team. Um, I do think that he's someone that surprised me show me a little bit something. And, and like you said, um, I thought that PJ Walker actually struggled um, more than I thought he would. And, and I do think that, you know, even though, you know, Eberflus wouldn't say so, you know, explicitly, I think that there is sort of a door open now to who will be QB two in Chicago behind Justin Fields. All right, James, you talked about running backs a little bit with Roshan Johnson going back to the Colts running back with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, just You mentioned it earlier. It's just the storyline with the Indianapolis Colts. Jim Mercy, I think, talked a little bit about it, and he had some comments yeah. that maybe said a lot but also didn't say a lot. How do you think this um, situation is going to resolve when it's all said and done? Yeah, so he said yesterday, you know, we're excited to have Jonathan Taylor back. And I tweeted out that quote along with a few others, and everyone here in Colts land was like, oh, my gosh, he's back. It's amazing. But no, he is not back. You know, he'll return to the team tomorrow. They're traveling to Philly for joint practices. He'll travel with them. However, he's not been practicing. So to me, the story is when does he actually practice, if he practices? And there had been no public indication that he's going to rescind his trade request. So I, I don't know where they stand. But I do think in the end he will play for the Colts this season, not because he wants to, but because he pretty much has to. I read through the CBA it's about a day and a half reading through all the different rules, right? Trying to find a way out for JT, and he doesn't have one. I mean, when you have one year left on your deal, you really don't have much leverage if they don't want to trade you or get rid of you or pay you even more money. So um, he's due $4.3 million this year. He probably doesn't want to go out there without more guaranteed money underneath his belt, but he won't get it because the Colts won't offer it to him. And the CBA basically says you have to play at least six games um, to get in a, what we call an accrued season. He has three accrued seasons. He needs a fourth one to become a free agent. If he like says he sits out, you know, forfeits a ton of money and gets fined, whatever, his contract would not be done after this year if he sat out. It would just basically be frozen until the following year, and he would still owe the Colts another full year on his rookie deal. So I think he has to play at some point, and maybe he just comes out and shows that he's healthy before the trade deadline and then um, demands a trade again or makes it louder, ruffles the feathers even more. But he has given no public indication that he wants to be back here. But the CBA says – it's like the mafia, you know, you're in here until we say you're not. Hey, just really quick. We, from one of our listeners, uh, TJ Brooks, he's got the question. He wants to know, is this the year that Pittman breaks out? What do you kind of think about that one? I think it could be. I think that he's been very productive considering all the chaos at the number one position in football, which is quarterback, obviously, because ever since Andrew Luck retired in 2019, the Colts have not had the same starting quarterback in week one. This is his fourth different starting week one quarterback since he's entered the league and, you know, four, four seasons, four different quarterbacks. And so last year they had three different quarterbacks in one year. 
um, starting quarterback. So I think that Pittman has produced and what will help him a lot this year and what could make it a breakout year is that AR has a cannon. And what Pittman is good at is those jump balls, those contested balls, those balls down the field. He doesn't have great speed like a DJ Moore, but he does have that big body, you know, 6'3 frame where you could throw it up and he's a tough dude. He usually comes down with it. And that's what they missed last year because they could just not throw the ball downfield, no matter if it was Gardner. I'm not sorry, not Gardner Minshew, but if it was Matt Ryan, if it was Nick Foles, if it was Sam Ellinger, none of them could push the ball down the field consistently. And I think AR gives them a chance to do that. So Pittman could be in for a big year. And if he does have a big year, he'll be in for an even bigger payday. I think he's going to get paid either way. But, you know, everyone keeps saying here, like, why is JT upset he didn't get a contract extension? J, you know, Pittman didn't get one either. Well, Pittman's a wide receiver. He's going to get paid either way. And, and, and he's also been smarter with what he said this offseason as opposed to JT. At first it was, you know, very Boy Scoutish. Oh, I'll sign my contract. You know, I'm obligated to do this for them. We had yada, yada, yada. Then he went to the complete opposite end of the spectrum where he was like, you know, you see why guys request trades and you see why guys are unhappy, whatever, whatever. Pittman's been, like, very smart in, in saying that, hey, I'm grateful to be here and, you know, every year is an audition and I'm just trying out for the Colts again. And, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm proving every team that I can play, which basically means in case you don't want to pay me in Indianapolis, other teams come get me. I will be playing for you for $20 million a year next year. There it is. Uh, oh, there, there it is. There it is. Sorry. When a guy talks that is on mute, just James, just so you know, there's it's it there's it's gonna be a it's also the one who gives us the most crap yes. too. So this yes. is very good. This is very good well, for I, me. I think I think Dangle, did you mute my mic? You told me my mic is hot, so I think no, you may have no, you I didn't mute me. No, no, I definitely oh. didn't. Okay. Well, uh anyway. So what I was saying was I, TJ uh, with a perfect setup for my next question. I, I did not pay him to, uh, to lay this for me, but um, regarding Pittman, there was a lot of scuttlebutt about him po potentially being involved in a trade for the number one overall pick way back when, I don't know how much of that was, was fan fiction, uh, but do you have any sense of how interested the Colts were maybe trading up for the number one pick with the bears? There was interest there, but never real interest. Um, we never felt like that was going to be a real possibility. We definitely pressed GM Chris Ballard on it, but I think that they were in a position where they felt like they were still going to get a really great player. And the reason why I think they were okay with staying at number four and getting Anthony Richardson was because of Shane Steichen. Now, if they hadn't hired him with his track record with Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts and even back in the day, Phillip Rivers, um, they probably wouldn't have gone that route, but – you know, you got Jim Irsay saying they would have taken Anthony Richardson number one if they had number one pick. I don't believe that, but I do think that they were okay staying at four as long as no one jumped them to three. And um, no, I would say Pittman was never a real option, even if they were to trade up. They needed weapons, and they knew that they needed someone to help um, alleviate the pressure on an eventual rookie quarterback. So um, I'm excited to see what Anthony Richardson can do. And I definitely was monitoring what the Bears were doing as well, though, because as we know – there was, at least you all could probably speak to it better than me, there was like that time where we were thinking like, would the Bears really pull the trigger on Bryce Young and move on from Justin Fields or has Fields shown enough to, you know, make them give him another go this year? So obviously they chose the latter and got a haul for it. And I think the Bears are better off because of it. You know, it's interesting that uh, just um, I – the number of the draft to me, it just, it feels like it was kind of a long time ago, even though it wasn't, it was right. quite recent, but um, the bears and Colts have actually been very closely intertwined over these last few months. Cause it was the Colts that ended up losing to the 
Texans on the final day of the season. And that was what got the bears, the number one pick. And that's what led them to getting DJ Moore and kind of being in this position. Um, but also what you were saying just before I asked my question, this kind of segues perfectly into it. We were saying about how the bears, you know, there was a lot of speculation. Could they go after, um, you know, could they go after another quarterback in the draft? Could they go after Bryce young or has Justin Fields shown enough to, uh, you know, stick with the bears and kind of be their quarterback of the future. And I remember in the playoffs when Philadelphia was making their run, there was a lot of comparison going on between Jalen hurts and Justin Fields. And a lot of people said, it almost seems like Justin Fields is a bigger version of Jalen hurts. You know, he's got a stronger arm than Jalen hurts, but they both are very mobile uh, all over their, all over the field and they really use their legs. And that's kind of a big part of their game. Uh, so my question for you is just uh, your thoughts on Justin Fields and the Bears offense, just knowing that it's going to be a big year for Fields and the Bears. Yeah, I think it's a prove-it year for Fields. I don't think he has, you know, a, like, you know, if he doesn't have a fantastic season, just get him out the door. But I do think that he has a lot less excuses this year than he had in previous years. And not even excuses, just valid reasons to why he didn't succeed, maybe to the degree others wanted. So, you know, we talk about offensive line, you know, skill position players, he was working with, you know, nothing last year, evidenced by three wins and, and the number one pick. But to me, they upgraded the offensive line. You know, they add a thousand-yard receiver, DJ Moore, who I think is a true number one receiver. You know, they, they upgrade in other areas as well. So I think that this year is a kind of put-up-or-shut-up year for Justin Fields. And the key to me, again, is to be decisive in his decisions and not, you know, hold on to the ball forever, not try to make the home run play every time. And also – you know, prove, in my opinion, a lot of people who, who call him a running back just prove those people wrong because, to me, he ran a lot last year because that's kind of what they had to do to have any semblance of success. And this year, I think that he, you know, still will have that dynamic in his game, but you're going to see a lot more of what we saw at Ohio State where it was, I'll run if I need to, but I'll pick you apart through the air like I usually want to. So uh, I think Justin has gotten a bad rap as far as that has gone throughout the league because, again, he hasn't been working with the best skill position players, the best offensive line, the best situation. And as we all know, people have opinions on these guys, but um, it's a lot easier uh, said than done. I think this year he has legitimate help around him. James, can you foresee there being any Colts bears swaps once cuts are made? Any guys that are on the bubbles that on the bubble that might enhance one another's team? Hmm, That's actually a good one. I mean, Mike Strawn maybe is 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 a wide receiver. I, he he's like he's been really good throughout the preseason. Big body, you know, jump up and catch the ball, that type of guy. But it's never really translated to the to the regular season. And I'm just wondering, okay, would they, you know, roll with him? He did also just pull his groin, so he's he's kind of like borderline. Do, do do we keep this guy? Do we not? He could be someone. I don't know. You see, he looks so good. In the preseason, you're like, how come it never translates? So you just wonder if that's someone the Bears could be interested in scooping up or something like that. Um, you know, there's also a lot of tight ends in that room. You just wonder if, you know, if there's a tight end that might slip through the cracks. Um, you know, I don't think that there are any top guys off the top of my head that the Bears might consider. But um, I think for the most part, the Bears probably aren't looking too much at the Colts' roster because it isn't all that great to me. Um, it's one where they're sort of in the Bears' position, at least I think so, where they want to see progress from their young quarterback. 
And then they're probably not kicking themselves or upset if they do get a top five pick. You know, everyone here wants Marvin Harrison Jr. So they would not mind a three-win season and, and just seeing Anthony Richardson develop. James, we got one more fun one for you, but I have been dying to ask this to you ever since I heard that you were coming on. I mean, you lived through – you covered one of the most bizarre seasons in NFL history last year with just the the bringing in of Jeff Saturday and the Jim Irsay stuff. I mean, I know you grew up here and you were a Bears fan previously. I wonder if it reminded you of, like, the Mark Trestman era. But I just want to know from your perspective, <laughs> what was last year like? Because – from the outside, it just seemed like, you know, a shit show. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Last year was my first year covering the NFL full time and my first season covering the Colts. So it wasn't like I was coming into this having been some, you know, veteran reporter who knows everything or has been around for a long time. We got a guy here, Mike Chap, who's covered um, the Colts since they moved here in 1984. So this is his 40th season. He's been here for all 40 seasons. So he's seen it all, done it all, whereas – he even turned to me at one point last season. It was like, James, we're all going through this for the first time. Like, I have never seen this in, in my, you know, four decades on the beat. So it's been crazy. It was crazy. I remember the date, November 7th, 2022, they hired Jeff Saturday. And it was a Monday because it was like we got off a flight from, I forget where we were coming from. I'd have been New England. And I remember texting my bosses and my editors because I was still relatively new to the NFL. And I was like, is this normal? The guy doesn't have any experience. What are, we, what are we doing? I was so confused. And that night, I mean, the press conference was like, you know, just a, a big joke to everyone in the NFL. I got a lot of texts with laughing emojis because um, Jim Irsay and, and just that entire scene was bizarre. It was, you know, talking about sausage and, and, and aliens and compared Chris Ballard to Michael Jordan. And, uh, yeah, my, I believe my first or second question ever to Jim Irsay was, you know, I think I asked him, I said, hey, you have other head coaches or other coaches on your staff who had who have had had. I'm sorry. You have other head coaches on your staff, you know, at least previous head coaches. So why is Jeff Saturday a better fit for the team or the best fit for the team as opposed to those guys who've been head coaches before or at least have coached in the NFL before? And he turns to me and he says, well, you just said it because he's the best fit. I'm like, I didn't say that. I was like, I'm not going to do that. So it was it was unbelievable but i mean i guess from a, a, a viewership standpoint it was never a dull moment but definitely was very much um just thrown in the fire everything you could ever imagine happening in one season pretty much happened i mean they changed quarterbacks three times they fired you know the offensive coordinator they fired the coach they brought in you know a coach who had no experience they blew the biggest lead in nfl history yeah which was insane my story was done at like half time. I was thinking to myself, like, <laughs> I'm done. This is easy. We're going to get out of here early tonight. And that did not happen. They, oh my, I could not. And, and then Minnesota has an open air press box. So even though you're indoor, like you can hear the crowd. You're basically in there with them. There's no glass separating you. And it was the loudest place I've ever been in my, in my life when they made that comeback. And it was unbelievable. And, and my, my first game actually last year was a tie at Houston. <laughs> First NFL game I ever covered was a tie. So I'm walking around the locker room asking guys how does it feel to not win but not lose. So that was crazy. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it was, I mean, everything you could think of pretty much happened. And then we get to the point now where I, I haven't even had like a normal offseason because they hired a coach, right? They draft a quarterback, which is obviously big news. And then 
the JT stuff happens and it's like, oh, you know, you thought you're going to have a normal offseason. No, you're not. And not to mention the gambling. Isaiah Rogers. Uh, senior. Oh, yeah. Man. Dude, like, oh, yeah. my God. So, yeah, man. It's been like one thing after another. I mean, I, I had to call the Indiana Gaming Commission or something and talk to this. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, like, I've never done this in my life. And it was all of those things that have, I, get, I think maybe a better writer um, definitely keeps you on your toes. But I'm excited at least to just talk about or write about the actual games again because it got pretty crazy during the offseason but um yeah man that was last year was last year was nuts there was a lot of nights where i didn't sleep a lot um and i honestly i was just trying to stay afloat first year on the beat first year learning the nfl and um you're not dealing with normal things i mean even the best player shaq leonard you know star linebacker he's out with a, a back surgery you're trying to figure out what's happening with him jt messed up his ankle he's out so you didn't see anything go right anywhere it was very weird but um i, I kind of look at it like if all that happened i mean what else can you go through at this point i should knock on some wood though because no one this team <laughs> don't mess me up so we'll see but it was definitely was crazy i'll never forget november, november 7th we're in the press room and i remember thinking to myself while wow, we're grilling dress jeff saturday about not having any nfl coaching experience and his family's there and i was like wow beautiful family but we got to grill your dad or your husband right in front of you because we all know it's ridiculous and, oh you know, they win their first game, I believe, against uh, Vegas Yeah. in his debut in Vegas. That lets you know how horrible they were last year. And Jim Irsay has, like, this bus video or plane video after the game telling everybody to eat their crow. And, they won't, <laughs> and, then, and then they don't win again the rest of the year. And they blew the biggest thing in NFL history at Minnesota, and it was just, oh, my gosh. It was unbelievable. I don't and know I that. After the Giants game where they got smacked by Daniel Jones and them, and I come out, me and my buddy, uh, my, my co-writer, we come out to our, our rental car. There's a flat. So we're changing a, a flat at like midnight in New York with New Jersey. Rats. What? Yes. And I remember thinking to myself, this is like a sign of what this season has been. So, it's like know, a sitcom. Seriously. Crazy. All right. This sounds like the New York Mets, but in one football season. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> this sounds like, it was crazy. I'm like everything. Too, honestly, it, it was nuts. So two things. One, um, if you ever decide to write a book about my first year covering the NFL, I am buying it and you're autographing it. And two, I just I just want to say I remember vividly that press conference. I was 35 minutes, like however long late to the gym in the parking lot watching it, even not as like a Colts fan, but somebody who just could not believe the train wreck that was happening in front of our eyes. So I commend you for going through all that and just you know coming out unscathed as best you could be but that's those stories are incredible man oh man it was it was a lot of fun i mean i even had one where we went to jacksonville week two first game by myself my co-worker or co-writer had like a wedding to go to so i go to jacksonville you know i get go straight from the airport to like some buffalo wild wings right hang out with some of the buddies get to the hotel they don't have my room they're like oh sorry we had a glitch in the system so we overbooked the hotel so the room you have and pay for, someone else is in it right now. So it's like take me from like this Marriott I was in, I think, to like a Hyatt like three blocks away. They put me in there. And then like after all that, get back to the game, get back fine. They charged me for both rooms. And so I had to like go like, you know, call the customer service line and get all this, you know, do all this yelling and screaming. And, and, and honestly, it didn't even work on the customer service line because it took forever to get through. So I went to Twitter. Back when I had my blue check. Yes. 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 I just went off, which I never do. I was like, you know what? I need my money back because they're charging me for a room that they didn't even have for me. So it was this whole thing. And 
Yeah, I had some crazy stuff happen last year. But honestly, I was thinking to myself, it cannot get any worse. So there has to be Anthony Richardson. You have to do something this year to make my life easier. And he has. He's been a lot of fun. And, um, again, I think for me the best part about it is, jokes aside, is that you're complaining about going to the NFL game and dealing with NFL nonsense as opposed to, like, real-life stuff. So as crazy as it was, it's like I'm not writing about, you know, commander stuff where you're, like, you're dealing with an owner – or oh, criminal, wow. you know, investigations and stuff like that. It's just, you know, got an owner here who likes to be different. That's all. All right. Our final question. It's one that we love to ask our different guests. Do you have any, you know, and Dangle, feel free to jump in here because you may have a different way to wear this. Uh, we need to know your Oreo preferences oh. and your Reese's preferences. What are your go-tos when it comes to those candies? I'm a plain dude. Regular Oreos, regular Reese's. That's how it goes. Okay. Don't like okay. Stuff. I'm not a huge sweets guy. So I don't like double stuff. I don't need anything to be extra. I don't need like, you know, the Reese's with pretzels or something. No, it's just regular, regular for me. That usually works good for me. We have a long standing feud about golden Oreos versus regular Oreos and gets contentious. So it's good to know you're. <laughs> no, no, traditional, traditional. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're a so, wild, wild man, we, we, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about that okay. later. We want to say thank you, yeah. James Boyd from the athletics so very much. We know your time is precious. So we want to let you get out of here for any reason. If some of our, uh, our listeners, uh, some of the people chiming in on YouTube are not following you, how can they get after you? How can they follow you? The name is James Boyd. The Twitter is Romeoville kid. Same thing on Instagram, TikTok. Actually, I've done a couple TikToks at least last season where I did a couple of clips of like what my day looks like as a reporter. People can check that out. I'm going to try to do more voiceovers this year to explain what I'm actually doing, but I think it's always cool to get that perspective on how it is from a reporter's standpoint point of view rather than like I don't go to the game and just sit there and eat popcorn and just relax. And, you know, no, it's like a lot of different things you got to do. It's fun, but it is work. So that's always a good behind the scenes look at everything. But, yeah, check out all my work at The Athletic as well. Got a lot of things coming. Obviously, Anthony Richardson is the number one topic. JT is number two. I'm going to write about those two guys so my hands fall off this season. But, uh, you know, we'll see if there's any uh, any other chaos that happens. But for the most part, I think it'll be all football. We'll see. Well, James, thank you again so much for stopping by the Bear Down Chicago podcast. We appreciate you very much. Have a great night. All right. Anytime, guys. You have a good one. All right, you too, James. Thank you. Thanks, James. So a slew of amazing guests continues. Uh, I wish he wrote for the Bears because he was highly entertaining. Um, and I think – Patrick Sheldon probably liked him a whole lot more than Dan Weirer. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me. Yeah, can we do a one for one swap? I would I would be down for that trade right now. <laughs> Before we get into Bears content, boys, we got some people that we have to thank uh, for the show, and uh, I'm excited because I've got a T-shirt that coincides with this, boys. You yeah, do, I mean, and we'll we'll get there. But first, we need yeah. to give our shout out and our props to our guy. Our friend Jeff Cadwallader, he has been working hard since the beginning of the year to expand his real estate services to now include commercial properties, and he's been killing it. It doesn't matter if you're a business owner, a homeowner, or an investor. Maybe you're, I don't know, a certain undrafted rookie free agent quarterback who hasn't lived (laughs) away from home much but might need a home near the Chicago area because you also are killing it. Uh, looking at you, Tyson Bajan. Uh, but if you're looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial or residential properties, Jeff is your guy. So call or text Jeff Cadwallader with SVN Landmark today at 
4734 or visit genevajeff.com if you're watching the stream you see ryan's sweet new t-shirt from one of our sponsors hey that's a logo it is sweet it is indeed that's really really sweet and you just got your fresh cut looks nice ryan i most certainly did will hooked me up as he always does exciting things coming on the horizon for sheridan's we'll share can't wait can't wait to share Okay, Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 69 years. With six barbers, open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to sheridansbarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right, boys, let's talk about the Chicago Bears. They played a football game on Saturday night. Um, I, I I had a friend that I haven't seen in three years just text me at about 4.30, say, hey, can I swing by? So he did. I didn't get to watch the game uh, last night, but I have subsequently watched the whole thing. Um, Bajent mania is a thing that is happening in Chicagoland. We will definitely talk about it. So, boys, let's just do this. Let's do a quick round table for overall thoughts on the game, just anything that stood out to you, anything that you want to talk about. For this, let's go Brendan, Jack, Patrick Sheldon, and Thomas. This game is boring. I mean, for even by preseason standards, that was that was tough to watch. I I said it was the most boring game since before the pandemic. So we didn't have preseason 2020. I thought every single preseason game since that was better. But look, that's what happens when the starters don't play. Um, the biggest news, of course, Tyson Bagent just coming in and sparking the offense after PJ Walker crapped all over the floor. Uh, we talked a little bit last week. I'm sure this is going to come up about him being a viable backup quarterback, and I definitely am questioning it, questioning it now because he didn't look good in pretty much any snap. From the first snap he, when he tripped over his running back to the last one he took where he refused to throw the ball downfield to Deontay Foreman, not once but twice when he was actually open. So I was really impressed with what I saw from Tyson Bajan. Just look calm, cool, collected, poised, accurate. Any word you want to use to describe him, I think works. Um, he was phenomenal. Not so great from the defense, uh, particularly with the penalties. Uh, for an Eberflus team, I was very discouraged to see that there were eight penalties uh, coming off of seven from last week. Saw a few flashes from uh, Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens, especially the first two possessions. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, I think we talked a little bit about it. Tyreek Stevenson not doing as well as he did last week, but this game just overall was kind of a slog unless you were watching like just those couple possessions between from Tyson Bajan and then maybe one Nathan Peterman score from uh, to Doris Fountain, who also had a good game. Uh, this, there really wasn't too much to take away. There was, I think I counted one, or two bear starters that actually played and that's Stevenson and Jack Sanborn. Everybody else was out. So yeah, it's just boring, especially even for a preseason game. Yeah. I mean, it's like this week uh, on the Tyson Bajan show. I think that's what we're going to have to do this particular week, but no, you just perfect segue per usual, Brendan. Um, as we know, Sanborn has a streak of Sandlot in him, has a nose for the ball. He's always around the ball. He's really physical. Roshan runs hard, runs fast. Uh, he hits the line of scrimmage with a great deal of speed. The Bears are building up 
some depth on the offensive line. I know some people are still freaking out about the offensive line, and I understand, but Kramer had a real nice game at center, uh, and we're continuing to see development uh, from my guy Chris Morgan in the offensive line. Pettis can catch every punt, but he has no elusiveness and no playmaking ability, so I don't know what you do there. That's kind of frustrating. Uh, And Walker was about as unimpressive as most folks have said across all of the social mediums. So you guys know I'm a Yankees fan. Phil Rizzuto used to be the broadcaster with Rick Cerrone. And there's a story about how Cerrone went to the bathroom during an inning and he came back and he was trying to get caught up on the, uh, on the, the book. And first one was like a fly out to the left field. And then the next two outs were WWWW. And uh, Cerrone asked Rizzuto, he's like, what? I don't, I've never seen that in this uh, official scorecard. What is WW? And Rizzuto says, Oh, wasn't watching. Um, so if I'm at home scoring, I'm giving it the Rizzuto WW. I did not see the game. Uh, long-winded way of saying I didn't watch the game. I thought Brendan and Jack did a great summation, so uh, you probably don't need to hear from me anyway. So um, I will turn it over to Thomas. Yeah, I honestly don't have much to say about this game because as I think um, uh, I'm not sure I, I'm not sure which one of you said it, but it was a very boring game. Uh, there really wasn't a lot of action here. Um, I mean, I thought, uh, I'm sorry, I keep butchering his name. Bajent. Uh, Bajent, like secret agent. Bajent, okay, yeah. I thought he did really well. I, I, I've seen some people on Twitter say that, uh, you know, he's kind of their training camp sweetheart, and, you know, he's the guy that, like, everyone seems to be falling in love with. He's the big story. Other than that, there wasn't really a whole lot um, to, like, grab onto or dissect. There wasn't really much exciting, uh, anything exciting here. I mean, uh, Nathan Peterman was solid, but um, I thought the offensive line was fine. Uh, you know, uh, you saw uh, – I'm going to butcher this name again – Jatire Carter. Um, he carried over, you know, from last week. He had uh, three positively graded run blocks out of nine total hits. So that was very good. But all in all, I – you know, I, I thought it was just an, uh, a regular preseason game. I don't have a whole lot to add here, but uh, yeah, that's kind of my brief summation. Yeah, that's totally fine. And I think Thomas, you actually set this up pretty darn well. Um, talking about, I mean, is this is this my Rodney Adams now of of the season, Brendan? I mean, this is uh, as as Thomas said, it's it's the it's the training camp sweetheart. It's the guy that everybody is kind of looking at, that everyone has kind of fallen in love with. And so the question, boys, is 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 Bajent now a legitimate number two? Because if we look at the numbers, it PJ Walker, man, it is not at all what is advertised. So for all of our audio only listeners, I'm going to read these off to you. Uh, PJ Walker has been five for 12 for 25 yards and an interception. Uh, Brendan, one of the pieces that you wrote today that was so well done. Um, I got to read your piece before I watched the game and I knew exactly the play that you were talking about. As soon as it happened, he had a chance, <laughs> he had a chance to hit a running back twice on the same play where dude was wide open and, and could have made something out of nothing, but instead he gets, takes a Back. It was terrible. Then we have Nathan Peterman, who I actually think has played like a veteran. And to be honest, Nathan Peterman had a couple seasons where he was just absolutely atrocious. <laughs> so he's been 14 for 24, 173 yards and a touchdown, which last week, boys, you all were saying that Peterman had the throw of the game, um, where I was arguing to say that Tyson 
Bajan had it. Now Tyson Bajan has been 13 for 15 for 113 yards, no touchdowns throwing the ball, but that very, very impressive uh, rushing touchdown on third down, uh, which was just, it was really, really well done. So boys, this is, this is the question that I'm really thinking about is, are you going to go in with, with PJ Walker as your backup quarterback? Are you going to keep Tyson Bajan on this, this 53? Where do you go from here? What are you going to do? I think that's, that's really tough because I don't think right now Tyson Bajan should not be a backup quarterback yet. He still needs to, I, I keep saying he still needs to develop. I know he's played a ton of college football. Like go back and look at his, the amount of games played at Shepherd university division two, the amount of passes attempted. I mean, Lester Wolfon uh, jr. Posted that. I think this is right. I may, I can't get the exact amount. I'm not looking at it right now, but it was like 1100 passing attempts in his last two seasons for context. Mitchell Trubisky attempted about 500 passes his entire collegiate career so this guy's played a lot of football he's thrown a lot of passes he's played the quarterback position since he was six so you know that he's kind of like he knows he can make plays he knows what he needs to run I thought his press conference after the game was exceptional where he's basically talking about I want to make sure that the coaches are they're comfortable with me Like I make them comfortable being able to run every single play in this offense. I know it's not going to be perfect, but I know I can run it effectively and I know I can make the plays when needed to. I would still put another veteran at the backup quarterback position as of right now. I don't think it can be PJ Walker though. I know last week we were saying, well, let's give it a little time. But since then he struggled in joint practices. He was throwing a ton of interceptions. I think shells was the one who even, uh, posted like guys I'm I'm getting I'm getting angry now and I swear to God <laughs> I thought it was about Nate Davis so I almost didn't even open the, <laughs> open the tweet and then I saw it was about PJ Walker I'm like okay that makes sense um, and then yeah he followed it up with just 104 for six yards yesterday now granted he didn't get too much help from his receivers Equinemia St Brown had to drop but if I'm the Bears and I really don't I really feel I don't like saying this but I would put Nathan Peterman is QB2, and Tyson Bajan is QB3, keeping them all on the roster. I'm eating the $2 million uh, guaranteed salary for P.J. Walker, letting him go. You know what? I Maybe you shouldn't have get, gotten rid of Trevor Simeon. I kind of thought that was a questionable move because I thought Simeon was like the quintessential backup quarterback. But that's what I'm doing right now. And then letting Bajan continue to work his way up, but still having a veteran that knows the offense because Peterman was in it last year. Just really quick, boys, before all the rest of you cut in, three quarterbacks on a roster. That 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 last spot, man, on a 53, I mean, that that's that's a tough ask to have three instead of two. Well, so there is, and I might be getting the rule wrong, but there is the emergency quarterback rule now. And I think it's for the regular season, not just the playoffs, but where essentially you can have a guy – a third quarterback on your active roster, but he can't be activated or he can't play unless the first two quarterbacks go out with injury. Gotcha. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. It sounds it sounds right. Okay. Uh so Tyson Bajant was able to spend his entire childhood saying to every kid that he met, My dad would kick your dad's ass. And he was right because his dad was a world champion arm wrestler. From both sides, left and right arm. He was like, his dad was a hype man 
for Tyson ever since like he was little. When he was like 10 years old, he'd go to church and tell the pastor, my son's going to be in the NFL someday. So I want to try to build the lore as much as possible because it's just fun. On a serious note, however, I I you, think what <laughs> you had me for a second. I was like, Jack no, did his research for this episode. No, that was all true. That was yeah, all, no, that's all true. All true. Okay, that's... but get, wait, okay, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> did you think I was just Yes? Playing? Yes. And I thought that was the best makeup that you've like a made up story I've ever no, heard in my entire no. life. I was hook, line, and sinker, but then no, that's no, true. No, I didn't know about the two arms. I thought it was just one, but I'm sure I know he Good was job. from the left side. I think yeah. he was from the right too. You you're probably right. That's yeah, Shells. Yeah. We don't need to hear from you right now. By the way, um so uh <laughs> I think so many opportunities. I know, right? Can we spares? Let's go. Wide open. I think uh, I'm going to play like, of course, like uh, I'm going to try to be the ship and not the ocean. We signed Walker for two years. It's the preseason. This is, I know this debate goes back and forth. Here's one instance where I think NFL experience wins out. And Walker has NFL experience. He specifically brought him in to back up Justin Fields. Now, that's what my mind is telling me. Like when I watch, you know, Bajan, my heart and my gut says that guy is incredibly poised in the pocket, throws an incredibly accurate ball, seemed to be unfazed by the speed of the game uh, and, you know, NFL level caliber, defensive lineman flying, you know, you know, at the pocket. He, he was very good, not just, I think, Ryan, I, we were texting back and forth, and you're like, is he good or is he preseason good? I was like, no, he's he's good. He like, looks really good. Yeah, I want to I want to challenge that a little bit. Like, I, I, I agree with you from his intangible standpoint, how he looks, the things that he does. I agree, but he's still doing it against pretty vanilla defenses, against second and third string. We know there's a big difference when teams are scheming against him specifically. What will he look like? So – the unknown to me, and I think you guys agree, is is a reason why I'm not comfortable making him the number two quarterback. We saw what happens, even with a guy as talented as Justin Fields, when he didn't get the amount of reps and the amount of, of practice with the ones um, going into training camp, and then Dalton gets hurt and he's rushed in and, and he looks awful, right? Uh, we've got a young quarterback that can be developed as a backup, something that I think we've all wanted for many, many years for them to either draft somebody in the later rounds, sign somebody uh, and, and develop that guy to be a, a legitimate backup, or maybe, you know, fleece some other team, ton of draft picks based on a one game performance, a la Matt Flynn or, or, you know, somebody of that ilk. But I think they'd be doing him a disservice by making him the two right off the bat and maybe stunting his development, maybe pushing him into a situation where he's not a hundred percent ready yet. So uh, we know there are going to be some cuts out there. Maybe they can pick up a guy off the street to come in another veteran to be the number two, but I definitely want to keep Bajan on the roster in some form or fashion and continue to develop him. Cause I, I think he's got the potential to be pretty decent. So just kind of like how uh, Jack said, it's kind of, you know, my brain says one thing, but my heart says the other. Uh, Tyson Bajan has obviously been awesome this preseason, at least in my opinion. And if it was up to me, and if we were in a perfect world, I'd say he's our number two. We're going to have him and Fields. It's going to be great. These guys both look good, and that's just the way it's going to be. But you have to take into account that Fields 
while he is Chicago's guy right now, that doesn't mean he'll be their guy in the future. And there's still a lot of questions surrounding him that he has to answer this year. And there's still a lot of progress that he has to, you know, he has to improve in a lot of areas of his game. And so I think that if you have a backup quarterback that is a rookie and is also, you know, getting, you know, his first taste of the NFL, that's not a rest. That's not a very good match to have two guys that are kind of making progress. You want to have maybe your starter and fields that, you know, you're working with on the side, trying to improve his game. But then if he gets hurt or he can't start, something happens, then the next guy up is a guy, you know, just a veteran guy. So I think PJ Walker would be a very good, uh, backup to like a very good in terms of like just a solid option, a more secure option than Bajan. But, and, you know, it's really hard to have three quarterbacks on the roster, but you know, in a perfect world, I'd like to have Bajan there in some capacity, but I think PJ Walker would be the number two right now. Boys, let's talk punt returner slash kick returner slash wide receiver. This is going to be a really interesting make. Who do you guys think are your locks in which to make this team? You know, I started asking the question, you know, I don't. I haven't made up my mind about this, but asking the question: Do I take Darius Fountain over Equinemia St. Brown? I know Equinemia St. Brown is a phenomenal blocker, um, and you know that uh, that Fountain is a much better like pass catcher. Uh, but I mean, he he just he seems to be in the right place at the right time, making great plays. And also, Jack, you kind of alluded to this earlier: is that Dante Pettis can in fact catch punts, unlike Bayless Jones. Um, but he has zero wow factor to him in any way, shape, or form. So how are you guys kind of feeling about this wide receiver position? Let's head back the same way that we just went. Well, Dangle, I know that you definitely read my article because I made that same point about Equinemia St. Brown and Doris Fountain. So well done. Um, I don't think think it happens, though. It would be fun. Just knowing what Darius Fountain has done, I mean, he's he led all receivers yesterday with five catches, 85 yards, of course, that awesome, awesome touchdown. But I think, so you talk about the locks, let's go with the wide receiver position. DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, easily the three locks. Tyler Scott, also likely there. Then you'll probably get Equinemia St. Brown, and then let's say, you know, there's six the sixth wide receiver is it Dante Pettis is it Bayless Jones is it Doris Fountain it's probably going to be Pettis or Jones look Pettis doesn't I, Jack you said it he's not exciting he yes he catches the ball but he's got very little elusiveness I mean yes last year kind of seemed like an outlier with his punt return yards I think he was at nine yard nine yards of return for punting but I would much rather see Tyler Scott do that. And I think Valus Jones would be much more effective as a kick returner. And then to use as that fifth wide receiver and it as the gadget player. I think last week when we were talking about is, is Valus Jones going to have a role on this team? I think I said, no, um, I don't think, I don't think he should. He did have a better practice against the Colts before he got hurt. But the good news about this is he's not in a position where he's necessarily a, necessity for the bears next year he's more of a luxury because they don't need him to be the number two or even number three wide receiver and he's certainly not going to be the number four um pass catching option with cole Komet and robert tunyon there so you kind of intersperse him give him like maybe 10 snaps a game and then rely on him for kick returner it's not the best use of a third round pick from a year ago but it's still a use that you can get around get uh use out of so I think that's still probably the way they go, at least for this year. 
Um, I yeah, I don't feel great about it either way. But right now, like whether it's Tyler Scott, whether it's Dante Pettis, whether it's Valus Jones Jr., there's not going to be like a Devin Hester type back there. Punt return is not going to be great this year, in my opinion. It is really a tough one because a part of me thinks, well, at least Pettis does catch the ball. He makes good decisions. When he fair catches, it's the appropriate time to fair catch. When he chooses not to field it, it's the appropriate time not to field it. And we all know that doing the opposite of that can have a devastating impact on your on your team, you know, wherever it is that your field position is for your offense. It was weird. You know, Valus Jones had a great day in practice. I mentioned it to Dangle, and he didn't say anything. He just ignored me. Like quite literally, I was like, hey, Vilas Jones had a great day in practice. And and Ryan was just mute because he hates him. So um, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It has nothing to do with the fact that my house is in complete and utter disarray during a renovation. And I had to yeah. do some of the demo myself because the company that I hired is incompetent. No, no, right. no, no. Yeah, nothing. To do Every with that. tile you were like, Vilas Jones. <laughs> Drop this, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hate okay. you all. But I'm being hyperbolic. I'm, I'm exaggerating. I think they want Valus to be a kick returner. I think they're not ready to give up on him yet and his high play side ability. So I do think he, he will make it. I think that, you know, uh, St. Brown is a, a commodity in this offense because he blocks like a beast. And I think that the Bears value that greatly along with what's hopefully going to be this refurbished passing game is going to be, you know, uh, an intense run game that, I think still sets up the pass. So I think ESB uh, likely makes it. I, they could coach somebody up to be a punt returner. You know, I think if you've got a halfway decent special teams coach on your, on your staff, then you, you can take one of these freak athletes but, and, and at least coach them to, to play the position. Isn't that what they've been trying to do with Velas though? Yeah. <laughs> but, but then sometimes it doesn't work out. I, I think I've told you guys, I was a kick returner in college. My yeah. coach would say, hey, go out early and take some punts. By my senior year, I was like, coach, I can do that if you'd like me to, but I can't catch punts. I can catch kickoff returns all day long yeah. if you'd like me to. And they and they tried to teach me to do punt return. And it's an extraordinarily difficult ball to catch coming out of the air. It turns over. It knuckles. The wind impacts it greatly. I'm not trying to make excuses for Valus Jones or any player who can't do it, myself included. It's just really difficult. So, but I do think, I guess maybe I'm double talking, but, but obviously Velas is not very good at it, but I'm saying like they put age, I'm not saying Eddie Jackson should do it, but they can put guys back there that would be talented on the roster that could still do it. Jack, I have a quick question before we yeah. get to Shells. You said the bears want him to be a kick returner though. Do they? Because they didn't line him up there last Saturday. They didn't even attempt him. They just did punt return. I mean, do you think they are having second thoughts there? They had Scott back, didn't they? I, I think yeah. maybe, you know, I don't know if maybe that's a, we're not putting our starter in that position, but I mean, I, I had the numbers up just a little while ago, but I don't have them anymore. I mean, his, his kick return average was excellent last it year. It was good. Yeah. Was strong and, and I think he had a knack for it. You know, he didn't hesitate. He didn't take too many cuts. Uh, he would take the ball one cut and go type of kick returner. So I don't know. I just, I guess, and it's not my bias either. I just don't think the staff's ready to give up on Bellis Jones Jr. Yeah, Brendan, are you talking about during the game? Because uh, a lot of people have been saying, I, I posed a question about whether Velas will, uh, will make the team, and, and a lot of people said, oh, well, he he they rested him during the game. But 
I know Bill Zimmerman tweeted out uh, earlier today that he's actually banged up. Um, so he may not no. have played with an injury. I meant last weekend against the Titans. Oh. Yeah, no, oh, I knew I he got you. banged up after Wednesday's practice. I got you. Okay. So, you know, I have been a pretty big Bayless defender. Uh, Ryan and I had some battles last year. I've fully supported the guy. I've wanted him to do good. He's a great kid, but I'm sort of at the position where I'm ready to move on. Um, you know, I, Pettis as a receiver isn't great. We know that, but I've seen Valus drop too many balls as a receiver. So you go to what, are they, what else do they do in common? We've talked about their punt catching ability. Give me the secure option that's not going to potentially cost them a game or completely turn the tide of a game at a critical moment that Velas di- uh, did at one point, like twice in a game. Um, he's not reliable back there. If he can't catch punts, if he's not a, a very good receiver, we're talking about developing this guy. He's he's developed. He's already like fully baked. He's 37 years old. Um, <laughs> at this point, like I don't I don't get the argument of keeping him off. He gets older every episode, I think. But he has one season. Does it? He's only played a season, right? So he's 64. He's 64 now. Uh, wow. Yes, he ages exponentially every year. But in all seriousness, like the guy, whoever that last receiver is, this isn't like last year's situation where we're probably going to be, you know, last year we were sort of expecting something out of that spot because the receivers were just terrible. And you were like, gosh, maybe we can get something out of our six wide receiver. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. In fact, I think whoever is in that spot is on shaky ground once roster cuts come because they could be looking to upgrade that position with somebody that gets cut. Um, so, you know, for me, I would take the sure thing in the punt game because I don't see Velas being really all that um, great in the passing game. He's not going to be a huge contributor. I don't know. Maybe this is, is a hot take, but I'm not so sure he would get claimed off of waivers if they cut him. I think he probably ends back up in the practice squad um, personally. So, you know, I'm taking the sure thing in Pettis as a punt returner, and then I'm going to look to see if I can upgrade after, you know, couple rounds of roster cuts see see what i can do thomas what about you well i mean i've heard what the three of you the four of you have said and um i'm just thinking you know i've just been thinking this whole time that they're you know they've made some good points but pettis obviously does everything you know he can he at least catches the line makes good decisions and that is better than bayless jones who has dropped the ball on a number of occasions and i can't help but feel that if you're the bears and you're going into this season and you know, you might have a chance to sneak into the playoffs if things break right and you still have a lot of pieces that are up in the air. The last thing that you want is to have a kick returner back there that can't reliably catch the ball and can't reliably return the ball because I can just see it now. You know, game one of the regular season and Green Bay's in town and it's tied late and Bayless Jones Jr. drops the ball and that's how Green Bay wins the game. And they, we just we can't have that this season. So I would, I would go with Pettis just because he seems like the more reliable option in terms of the receivers. Uh, you know, the three, the big three more Mooney and Claypool, those guys are obviously the locks. And, uh, I'm really hoping for, a, a, a like a strong bounce back year from chase Claypool too, because I think that if he gets back to kind of how he was in Pittsburgh, I think he could really open up the offense a little bit more. And also I'm just sick of hearing, about like oh the Bears traded the thirty second oh you know the thirty second pick 
I'm sick of hearing about that because, you know, now they have two first round picks, so it doesn't really matter to me all that much. Um, but Equinemia St. Brown, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I, the, all I remember about him last year, unfortunately, was the end of the, uh, the Green Bay game where he or feels through that interception at the end at Soldier Field. And I think it was that he ran his route and pivoted. I'm not sure what it was, but I know that it, he, he definitely had a hand in that interception. But I think that they could get him in in some situations there, and he could just kind of be almost like a utility player coming in there because I think that he's good at blocking and he has some good parts of his game that they could use. But I think getting him out of that consistent role that he was in last year, you know, I don't think you want to see him playing in the last few minutes of a game against Green Bay or Detroit or Minnesota. So, yeah, I, I think he's a solid player. Can we Thomas, all collectively – Oh, gosh, else. Oh, I was just going to say, can we all collectively knock on wood so that Valus doesn't drop a critical punt against Green Bay in week one? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's Probably setting up like, to be year. Cody Parkey 2.0. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. We don't need that name here anymore. I Come on. Just, you know, I was just going to – I was just going to say, Thomas, I'm so glad that your uh, memory of Equinemia St. Brown wasn't the one where he just dropped the ball against the Dolphins. That I mean, was, that, yeah, was, that was the worst one. <laughs> that, was, that was the worst one, but, you know, when you lose to Green Bay, it's a little bit – it sticks out in your mind. I remember True. losses to Green Bay going back to, you know, before Trubisky, so – all right, so boys, let's do this. I, I have one more question I'm going to ask you before we get to things that we missed. Um, Terrell Lewis looked pretty darn good uh, getting that really nice. Uh, was it just the, uh, the, the, the fumble or did he get the sack with it as well, the forced fumble? You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, strip sack, he, yeah. Strip thing. sack. He looked, he looked great. Um, and Travis Gibson maybe came back to earth just a little bit in this game. Um, and that defensive end position – what are you guys kind of thinking about? Let's do this. Let's shake things up completely on this one. Um, let's go Patrick Sheldon. We'll go Thomas, Jack, and Brendan. Yeah. Wasn't watching. Didn't watch. <laughs> but 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 is there is there any but 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 here's the thing, Shells. I don't think you necessarily needed to watch the game in order to think about at defensive end, on this defensive line, who are the guys you're excited about? Who are the guys you're saying, thank you so much, your services are no longer needed here? Yeah, I well, I, I don't know that I can fairly answer that way. I, I don't know. I don't know how they did in the game. I, I mean, I'm going based off of what we saw two weeks ago, and so my answers would be pretty consistent with what we saw last week. I mean, you, you said Gibson came back down to earth. He would have been a guy that I'm really excited about, but to hear that he maybe came back to earth against second stringers, like that's not encouraging. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, let's see what happens next week. I'm really interested. I know this wasn't the question, but I'm really interested to see what Eberflus does with his starters next week, uh, if they're going to have a really long hiatus before they play meaningful football. So um, if, if you know, let's see what happens next week, if they maybe uh, play some starters and, and maybe the other team plays some starters and we can see ones versus ones for a minute and, and see what some of these guys can do. But, um, you know, we'll, We'll see. But Gibson was a guy that I was excited about. I'm disappointed to hear he didn't look all that great uh, yesterday. Thomas? So my knowledge of the uh, defensive line is kind of limited, but I will say uh, Terrell Lewis and Blake Freeland are all um, are two guys that I thought did really well in this past game. Um, I think that um, 
you know, I, I'd have to obviously watch a few more games of theirs to really tell you who I'm excited about and who I want to leave. But, um, you know, I was just very impressed by their game today. I don't have a whole lot to add here, but um, no worries. I thought that they had, I thought that those two guys really impressed me in the game on Saturday. Jack? The one thing that is cool about preseason, I think, is the, like, really specifically some of the uh, position group competitions. And it was clear that there was one a defensive end last night. And just to watch kind of guys go, you know, back and forth, you know, to clearly see them scrapping for a job is kind of cool. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to I'm going to go with our guy, Jacob Infante, because he's really smart. Uh, and I just agree with his list. Uh, he's got Yannick. Marcus Walker, Travis Gibson, Terrell Lewis, and Dominique Robinson. I'd be interested to see uh, Brendan and Ryan since you're left if you, if you think there's any other possibilities in the way that that will shake out. But um, but I will say it looks a lot better than it did last year. Yeah, that was actually going to be my list as well because the big name that's missing there is Rasheem Green who signed over from – uh, the Texans, and he also played with the Seahawks. He was listed as a starter last week, and I believe he started yesterday. Didn't show up in the stat sheet. I just don't see the buzz with him. I think he's he's kind of had a couple practices early on that were okay, but just seeing Terrell Lewis, Flash Moore, and Travis Gibson, of course, I would definitely pick those guys over Rasheem Green. It's not like they paid him big money. It was just like a few million dollars. So you know, what's a few million, right? If you're an NFL team, but still, I don't think that he offers a whole ton that Terrell Lewis and Travis Gibson don't. So I would definitely, that list that uh, you just read off Jack from our guy, Jacob, I would take that list and, and say, yeah, that's what I do as well. All right. So boys, let's hit anything that we missed uh, with the bears going forward, anything that we are especially looking forward to maybe in that third preseason game or maybe week one against the Packers. Um, anything about this game that stood out to you legitimately, anything at all that you want to chat about. Let's go that. Yeah. Thomas. I just had a question that I just wanted to pose to all of you. I just wanted to know uh, your thoughts on the offensive line so far, because that was such a big thing last year. And, you know, that was a huge reason why everyone felt like Fields couldn't really take off as a passer, had to use his legs so much. So I was just wondering what everyone's thoughts on the offensive line was before we wrapped it up. Shell, shells can't wait to get after mm-hmm. this one. <laughs> well, I, I know there have been a couple of clips of Jordan Love's uh, preseason performance yesterday going around the internet. And what I noticed on the two throws were not his ball placement, but how much flipping time he had. I mean, the pockets were like chef's kiss. Uh, both of those, he had a long pocket for a long t- or a big pocket for a long time. Um, you guys know I'm still in I'm still in show me mode for the traditional uh you know pass blocking i think they do a lot of great things on the offensive line run blocking screen blocking um they get out in space and and can do a lot of great things but until i see them consistently hold up against sustained pass rushing i'm gonna be nervous Uh, we're seeing great things i mentioned it earlier i think leatherwood borum kramer um have all had good carter have all had really good camps, uh, and I see some development in those players. There's not been a single thing that uh, Darnell Wright has done to lower his stature in my mind. He has only elevated his uh, value on this team so far. Now, obviously, week one versus Green Bay, that's 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 go time. But his pass sets 
are so good. His ability to use his feet are so good. Uh, I'm impressed with him. Getting a little concerned. We've got two injuries at center right now. Uh, I hope that doesn't become uh, a continual gaping hole that we're having to deal with that went unaddressed. Just last thing I would say, as I mentioned earlier, I really just think this – well, I mentioned it last time. It's going to take a while to develop the offensive line, so I won't repeat myself from last week. Yeah, it would have been nice if the starters and Darnell Wright would have played yesterday, I thought, especially for Wright's sake. Like, he could have used those reps at right tackle. But um, I really thought that the offensive line has looked solid. And, again, the caveat, they are going against backups, especially the first team last week. But they did allow four sacks yes, yesterday. To think about when the game was. Uh, you mentioned Larry Borum. He was one of the top graded PFF guys from yesterday. I mean, and I, I was thinking back, I'm like, I didn't really notice Larry Borum all that much, but that was a good thing because he was actually winning his matchups. The one guy I have no idea why he's still on this team is Aviante Collins. There's two games now that he's just been god awful. He just can't uh, contain his block. I mean, guys are, you know, beating him inside all the time. I just don't – he doesn't offer anything to me. I thought Leatherwood had a decent day. Kramer looked better than he did, I think, against the Titans yesterday. So that was good to see. With some of those injuries, you want to make sure that those those younger players can actually have those reps. And you can feel somewhat comfortable with them going into a game because I think – I was thinking about this earlier today. I'm pretty sure the last time the Bears started, all five guys on the offensive line – for every single game was 10 years ago, 2013. It hasn't happened since. So guys are going to be, whether it's injuries, whether it's poor play, guys are going to be shuffling in and out of that lineup. So you need to make sure that at least the depth guys are capable of doing something there. Um, And then last thing I'll say, I kind of posed a question on Twitter earlier today. I'd call it a hunch, but I really think Lucas Patrick's days are done. He hasn't played in like, he hasn't practiced in two weeks plus. He's had an injury, and if my math is correct, I'm pretty sure he's missed more practices than he's played since he's been a Bear, especially when going back to training camp when he had the thumb injury last year and now going in in and out of whatever the hell he's dealing with now. So I just wouldn't be surprised if he's waived with an injury designation. Cody Whitehair is the starter. Doug Kramer is the backup, and then you have some versatility with guys like Jatari Carter, maybe Leatherwood. Dieter Iceland, maybe, is another Dieter. guy that could. That guy has nine lives, man. Holy cow. Uh, he's just, he's always around, but he, he can play when he needs to. So, yeah, they overall, have, pretty they have solid, waiver but, priority, Brendan. You know, they, they, have waiver prior, they have waiver priority, too, don't they, the Bears? So, I yeah, mean, so that's, that's the big thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. They have the top spot and they will have it for the first few weeks of the season. So, uh, this is probably going to be a really active, active cutdown period. And also, remember, uh, this year's the first time that there are no, I guess, designated cuts throughout the preseason. In the years past, guys, they would go down from like 90 to 84 or something. So slowly but surely, guys would kind of trickle out. Now it's just one cut. So there's going to be more guys available for that final cut down than there ever have has been before. All right, boys, let's do this. Let's uh, hit me up with anything that we have missed. And if we haven't missed anything, feel free to take a pass on this one. So let's go Shells, Thomas, Jack, and Brennan. I'll just say Kramer as the backup center makes me really nervous. So I, I hope that doesn't come to pass. But uh, no, I don't I don't think we missed anything. I, I 
looking forward to next week, see who plays, who doesn't. But other than that, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't really think we missed much. Um, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing more of the starters perform hopefully next week and see Fields in there again. But, uh, no, I can't think of anything we missed. I do think it's a little unfortunate because he's had a long and prestigious career. But, boy, our guy, Halbark, is Jesus, as we've said before, he's oh. lost it. What do you do now? He was just griping about the Bears not playing any of their starters and, you know, Kansas City Chiefs this and that. And I I, I just – he, yeah, he was great for a long time. I'll keep it positive uh, here at the end. Uh, but I think, you know, unfortunately he, he has lost his fastball and um, indirectly, I guess, maybe not so related. But episode two of Hard Knocks was better than – episode one but we did see the true colors of our guy uh, aaron Rodgers flash for just a minute ryan if you haven't seen it when you see it when you watch it message me because i got you we know who he is i still haven't watched it i need to I, it's on my list i i, I like it yeah i usually do too but <laughs> yeah um look i'll just say i do kind of agree that i thought the Bears starters should have played at least one series especially only because of the issues that they supposedly had in full team drills everybody said fields in the offense were incredible in seven on sevens but they struggled in 11 on 11s i mean that's a game so why not give them a few more reps against that same defense to just let them work some stuff out i'm not like as mad about it especially if they do play the starters next week, but I just wish I would have seen it. Um, and then the only other thing I wanted to note was with Khalil Herbert being out, Deontay Foreman got the start, didn't do too much. He had three carries for 12 yards, averaging four yards, if you can do math. Um, that's not bad, and he had a nice run where he broke like four tackles. I thought it was interesting that uh, listening to Shells' favorite writer, Dane Weeder. Um, he kind of said maybe if there's a numbers game issue with the running back position, perhaps Deontay Foreman could be a surprise cut. And I was kind of half thinking that over the last couple of weeks, like, well, there could be somebody because if Roshan Johnson does the things Deontay Foreman does and you have Khalil Herbert, who is, he's just got more open, uh, open space speed. And then Travis Homer being a special teams guy, there could be something where somebody ends up being the odd man out. And I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I thought that was a very curious statement to make. So, um, but Deontay Foreman looked pretty good. So I thought that was decent. I literally have it on fields too. What did Weederer blame that potential cut on fields? <laughs> Do you know, you know, he, he probably did know. <laughs> so I literally have in my notes that even with only those few carries that Deontay Foreman is a beast and I am excited to watch him and Roshan and this running back room, I, I think the fact that he got limited carries kind of speaks to the fact that they, they know what he can do and they like him. Um, I, I also thought that I know we're so excited about DJ Moore. We're excited about the resurgence of Chase Claypool, Darnell, uh, or Mooney being healthy, but this is a football team that should continue to run the football and they have a stable of phenomenal running backs. Oh, and they have Justin Fields. Um, so yeah, I, I, 
I strongly disagree with uh, Mr. Weeder on that one. Um, I, I see where you guys are coming from, but there's no way. Uh, two other things, just really quick. Travis Bell, um, Zach Pickens, and Javon Dexter uh, saw some flashes. Nothing great, but I saw some flashes that I really, really liked about all those guys. And Jack Sanborn, too. I think he's learning a new position uh, of a linebacker, but I also think he also flashed some stuff that I was really excited about. Boys, this has been a fun episode. It is time to get out of here. It's time to give shout-outs. Shout-outs to anybody that might be listening to the podcast, anybody that you might like to give a shout-out to. So for this, let's stick with it. Let's go Sheldon, Thomas, Jack, Brendan, and I will finish it up. Shout-outs, boys. I've got one. It's a uh, somebody who's near and dear to our heart. A very happy birthday to the one and the only Logan Bradley. Uh, we really miss you, bud. Miss your musk. Uh, Got to get you back on here soon, even if even if it's just to say hello, to see your face, to wave, uh, see what kind of mustache you're working with. I gotta I gotta see a little something. So it's pretty serious. Uh, happy birthday! Dude. Is it serious? It is yeah. a serious mustache. Yeah, you gotta um, see and it. Then- I'm hoping I'm hoping that that the schedule works out that him and Brendan can do the pregame episodes because I actually listen to their fantasy advice and I listen to their betting advice. Um, so um, I'm very anxious to hear that. Well, I don't have anyone specific to shout out. Um, I just want to shout out, I guess, everyone for listening to the podcast and uh, giving us a great audience and supporting us. So that would be my that will be my shout out for today. Well, thanks for joining us, Thomas. We appreciate you. Absolutely, good to have it's you. Fun being here. Yeah, uh, I just went over um, sixteen hundred followers on Twitter. So I want to thank every single person who follows me. Uh, every every bot. Every porn star, every <laughs> fake account, every one of you. I just, it means the world to me. So, no, but for real, I really do appreciate it. Um, I want to shout out uh, retired NFL uh, official Terry McCauley, uh, who tweeted at me in the wake of that, uh, that screen pass uh, <laughs> controversy uh, and said to me, so actual NFL official Terry McCauley, uh, Jack, you need to stop. You're embarrassing yourself, he tweeted. So thank you, Terry. Uh, now I know the rule. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> he didn't actually say that. Oh, he did? Yeah. No, I thought he said, like, you know, this is wrong or something. Bad take or something. Yeah. yeah. No, he said hashtag bad takes and reposted what I tweeted originally. But then he he, he tweeted directly at me and said, what I just said. Oh, you're, Jesus. You're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> wow. I know, right? Terry uh, taking shots. Right? The and funny, then del- thing, the funny thing was, Jack, when you when I saw it, when you tweeted that or sent it to us, I spent five minutes scrolling through that guy's Twitter history to just double check that it was actually him and that it was actually like, you know, he was any football stuff. And all he tweeted about was music stuff. Music. Yeah. No football takes whatsoever, but he decided to come after you. I know. But I mean, I think like you said, I think it was actually because like, yeah, uh, who, who followed him? Um, like Tariko and yeah, um, uh, a lot of the Mike Pereira. Yeah. So I think maybe he's trying to distance himself. So your point is a good one. Why, you know, like why he came out of his music shroud to like <laughs> to, to take a shot at me. Okay. All right. I have so. a new lifelong enemy. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. No, I've but- got Jay Feely. You've got Terry McCauley. <laughs> <laughs> um, so shout out to, uh, to to Terry McCauley and then uh, to Mark Wimkin, uh, who's a new follower of mine and also has a 
pod, I believe, called Roto Bros. Uh, and he's at uh, Mark W E M K E N. Before I get into my actual shout outs, I wanted to shout out, I believe his name is Ramon George. Um, Brian, I don't even know if you saw this because you were watching it truncated, but uh, for those who didn't see, this was the head ref who was making calls yesterday, and it was bad. That was terrible. Did you hear it? Did you see it? Terrible. He's like, uh, is is this the is this the play? Is that's the penalty holding, okay, um, the offense <laughs> number seventy. It was bad, and I know Adam Amin, great guy. He was like, look, he's learning. This is his first year, you know, being they call him the white hat, uh, being the guy who makes the calls. That was God help us all if we get him for a game because he needs a pep talk. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> badly, badly. Ooh, yeah. yeah, so but shout out to him, I guess. Um, shout out to my buddy Ty and his wife Hannah. Uh, they are uh expecting a beautiful baby in early 2024. So let's go. Yeah, the big fans of the podcast. Uh, they've had a lot of life changes over the last year, so shout out to them. Uh, shout out to my boy Kyle. Uh, you can find him on, on Twitter at the last as guardian. Uh, we're trying to get to we're trying to watch the uh, some games together, but. I got to say, I love it. I love doing what I do, but writing makes it much harder to watch games with people just because of the responsibilities. So uh, hoping to get together with him, uh, but huge, huge Bears fan. Uh, one of my closest friends for a long time. And uh, he's a l- listener to the podcast. And then a couple of people on Twitter, uh, somebody who I've gone back and forth with a little bit the last few days, just, I don't know, popped up in my mentions. Uh, Jedi Master Beasticles. Uh, obviously big Star Wars fan, uh, but he's had some pretty good football takes. So uh, it's been fun interacting with him. And I got to shout out my boy, uh, Rocky bear, five, one, three, four. One of our favorite followers uh, had some nice things to say about a recent thing. I, I did um, just awesome, awesome dude. Even though he voted for Roy uh, in bears, Twitter madness a few months ago, instead of me, I don't hold grudges, but I remember. <laughs> but um, no, shout out to Rocky Bear. He's my guy, and I appreciate just all the support. Uh, my first one goes to, to Thomas. Uh, Thomas, good luck in your sports journalism at Ohio University. That is so freaking cool, and we're cheering for you big time over here at the podcast. Uh, my next one goes to Jorge Gajiola uh, of Fanaticosos. I think that I'm saying the name of that last one right or hey please don't be too mad uh but he and i have had some back and forth and i know that he does some work uh in, for some of our spanish speaking bears fans and i just think that is the coolest thing in the world um and just every time we we go back and forth on twitter it's always a good time so thank you so much to you um the pa bears fan just goes by pa bears fan we've also had some really good back and forth and of course cousin heidi um you're amazing we love you and i don't know how many more times that we can possibly say that for all of us here at the bear down chicago podcast we know that you can get your bears content anywhere but you've chosen to hang out with us and we appreciate it so very much so for logan bradley thomas from cubs legion please check it out please on instagram you got to check that out patrick sheldon jack wright brennan chagru i am ryan dangle folks thank you so much for hanging out with us and as always folks bear down chicago So long.